Portions of this program may be pre recorded. All engines running, commit liftoff. Hey, welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Life Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. You can also send questions to Facebook and Twitter. At SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That's at SWAT Radio Talk. Um, Today, I don't know. Did you see this in the news? Today's Tuesday, not Monday, because we had a. Labor it is Day, Tuesday. So I wow. Saw, yeah, I saw something on the in the news uh, about my former uh, university that I went to, Taylor University. Um, unfortunately, uh, kicked out one of their professors for writing a song that uh, basically talked about human sin nature, and it was a uh, kind of provocative. He called it "Little Hitler." And, uh, wow. Yeah. They told him he needed to take it down and he said he wasn't going to, and they kicked him out for it. Uh, they, you know, fired him. And, uh, I guess he'd had some run-ins with them over political, uh, issues in the past and yeah, they got rid of him. And I thought that was pretty, pretty sad, uh, mm. just because, you know, it was a provocative song, but it was kind of tongue in cheek, you know what I mean? And it was, the message was basically that we're all, all, all fallen and need Christ, but you know, such is the times that we're living in. We we are um, living in some interesting times. You know, mm-hmm. if you are just tuning in, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. Uh, this is a great week because we start the SWAT groups back up here yep. in uh, Florida. Tomorrow. And uh, we're, you know, I'm, I'm excited. We're going to jump back into Hebrews. And we'll be meeting at Woody's Barbecue on um, Solano Road. We'll be meeting here at the Salem Center off Bonneville Road at noon. Then Thursday, we'll be meeting at the Best Burgers in Town, <laughs> Jumpin' Jack's House of Food. And then uh, uh, Friday, we'll be meeting at the uh, Village Inn down in St. Augustine. And Thursday night, we will be doing a Zoom at 7 p.m. for uh, anyone who wants to join that. Any guys that want to join that, you're welcome to. So, anyway, Taylor, a lot in the news over the last couple of days. Uh, there was a group out in Seattle. I don't know if you saw this. They wanted, they got a permit to go to a park to have a prayer rally mm-hmm. in Seattle mm-hmm. because of all the unrest. And they were denied that even after they had received the, the permit, they were denied access and told they couldn't do it because it was too dangerous. Wow. And this is at a place. And so what they decided to do is have a protest in the streets of praise. And that's hmm. what they did. Huh. The guys took their instruments. They started singing praise songs and hundreds and hundreds of people gathered in the streets of Seattle hmm. and sang sang praise songs and prayed and it was awesome you saw women kids out there people praying people singing and what's funny is if it was a protest they could do it but because it was something 
that was planned in the park, the city shut them down and said, no, this will be unsafe. We don't want to have any unsafe. You're wow. talking about Seattle where they yeah. had shop, you know, the, yeah. the people shot and stuff. It's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Did they say unsafe because of the coronavirus or did they say unsafe because of the they didn't violence? Say. They, didn't, they didn't say. They did not say. Was any, there was no incidents or violent incidents in, uh, that happened before or after or during? There, there were... No, they did. They here's the thing. They just said that it's unsafe and we don't want you to go, which, you know, the bottom line, anytime any authority wants to, they can say that about anything. Mm -hmm. They can say your neighborhood's unsafe. We're not going to allow you to go back in there, which they do during hurricanes. I post hurricane. They go back in. So at any time they can specify it's unsafe and they did. But they just said, fine, we're going to go to the streets and we're going to have a protest. And they protested with praise and prayer. And it was pretty cool. And Antifa left them alone. Like there, no, they did, nobody said anything. Nobody did cool. anything to them. And it was really kind of cool to see. Another thing that was in the news, by the way, if you're just tuning in, the first 15 minutes, we usually just kind of look at what's going on around the country. And kind of from a Christian worldview, we talk about, things and um you know hopefully uh, bring that kind of perspective to it and um the uh, there right now one of the things that was in the news today was a lot of um government people have gyms in the government facilities oh, yeah. that they're mm-hmm. allowing their employees to go to but they're not allowing other people to go yeah. and work out in gyms in public because it's too unsafe Gyms that are taking precautions, gyms that have spent hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars to prepare, probably. And one of the commentators made an interesting observation. He said, you know, it's kind of like in China. In China, Hmm. only the privileged, the the ultra-top people in the power, Mm -hmm. and those that know them get the benefits of anything. Hmm. And it's really scary that, yeah. that, that it looks very similar to that here. Yeah, I mean, our whole response to COVID has been basically a mirror of China anyway. And yeah. then, you know, that that it's like there's starting to seem like a a, a clear hierarchy that's, you know, uh, uh, delineated, I guess, is it, pretty. Yeah. yeah. It's not something that you would ever have thought that. You know, in America, that we like, well, we look kind of like communist China. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't know if you saw they're taking down American flags off the New Jersey overpasses. Yeah, I did see that. Um, that that's how many days, uh, you know, before 9-11 they decided to do that? Like, yeah, like three days. Yeah. Like, like it's just, it's... Uh, and they weren't even, the, the Jer- Jersey Turnpike wasn't even the ones maintaining those flags, right? It was the citizens who were who were doing it of their own uh, will and through their own means. Yeah. And it's like, man, that's... Uh, and then they say, well, you know, we fly flags at our buildings and stuff like that, but it seems like there's more to it than just, oh, well, we want it to look a certain way because it's been flying for, what, almost 20 years? Yes. Yeah. Well, it has. This is the 20th anniversary, right? No. Isn't next, it? Or, no it's, next year. Is it next? Be, oh, it's 01, yeah, right? Yeah. It was 01. You're right. You're right. Um, well, and then the other thing, I don't know if you saw that they came out with a report of all that, and this is, you know, again, I hate to say this, the FBI, and, mm. but it's the FBI at 
the management level. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the field agents. Most of the field agents do good work out there. In fact, I would say 99% of them do. Um, but the management level, which many people have feared being corrupted yeah. for a while because of political ambitions, uh, made a lot of errors in the FISA applications, mm. like 16,000. Oh, wow. I mean, think about that. 16,000 errors in different applications yeah. over the years, over the study that they looked at. And uh, that's that's not an oversight. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a systemic problem there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, that's... Uh, that was in the news too, but I want to go back to this gym thing about the the gym owners, and I was reminded of the story of Saul in the Bible, where Saul went and condult, consulted with the witch of Endor. Mm. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that, but when he went and he consulted with her, and he disguised himself, and she goes, "No, I can't tell you this because." The king has decreed that anyone will die, and he said, surely you will not die. I will protect you mm. to tell her. He still didn't reveal himself. Why? Because he's the one that issued the decree. He knew it was against God's commands to go consult with mediums and witches and, and necromancers, and and yet he did it mm. because he was afraid, and and God miraculously allowed Samuel to come forth at that moment and it scared yeah scared the witch mm-hmm. and then Saul revealed himself and he she knew who he was and she was even more afraid but he couldn't do something and so again it goes back to you know what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander i mean <laughs> like i i i'm going to tell you what to do but for me it's you know it's different because i have to have my hair cut or yeah. i have to go do whatever you got to do, you yeah. know, because I'm going to be on TV or I've got to do this or whatever. Yeah, like Nancy Pelosi. And I think just ma- to, not to mention a name, but well, to yeah. mention a name. But one of the mayors uh, in response to that said, well, she has to fight a terrorist in the White House. And I'm like, that type of language to, you know, in between Americans is, I mean, that is not good. Well, you know and, I mean? well, and I, and and you bring up a good point with that. I don't know if you've watched the news. They've been showing clips today of what happened in Rochester. Mm. And again, you know, this is another uh, police-involved thing that I, again, don't know the facts. Mm-hmm. Most people don't. But the man who called police, his brother, said that. His brother was murdered. He was murdered, um, and um, he was just mur- outright murdered. And his brother called police, and from what you could see on the video that mm-hmm. they showed, his brother was naked. They said he had a mental condition, and they said in the, the several news organizations have reported he did have PCP in his system. Yeah. If that if those things are true, and he was naked, have have you ever tried to handcuff and get under control a naked man that may be spitting on you? Uh, I mean, they put a spit hood on him. Mm-hmm. That's what those spit hoods are for. And I don't know what they did. I couldn't see what he did, but he wasn't murdered outright. I mean, yeah. they didn't hunt him down to murder him like. 
was mm-hmm. de- depicted in the speech, and that's inflammatory. And yeah. I think those are the kind of things that are really hurting what's going on right now. Anyway. Now, we will be back with more after break. Stay tuned. You're listening to SWAT Radio. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. David Crowder. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you're just joining us, uh, we are going to be going over Letters to the Church by Francis Chan and his second to last chapter, uh, Crucified Today. Um, We have been going over his book uh, since all summer. Yeah, pretty much. All summer, and we're coming down to the end. Yeah, it's it's really been a, a great reminder that God is, and, and you know, one of the things I loved about his book was all the scripture mm. that he listed in the book uh, for us to look at that God used to convict him. Yeah. In other words, the reason this book, he says he wrote it, is because he was convicted personally as a pastor of a mega church who had studied for ministry, gone to seminary, gone to Bible college and seminary. And what he had, he did not feel that he was shepherding mm-hmm. in a way that that the New Testament church should be shepherded. Yeah. And so he wrote about the departure, chapter one, about churches that are known for supernatural love for one another. 
And it's a really a convicting question. What is the church known for? And we've talked about this multiple times. Most are known for worship or their pastor's communication style, not for their supernatural love for one another. And he brings that out. Second was the sacred and how sacred a calling we have to be the bride of Christ. And then the third chapter was the order that God has set forth for us in the church, what we should be focused on. And as good as we think what we're focused on is, if it's not what God has commanded us to focus on, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then uh, the fourth was the gang, the the supernatural love for one another. And he talks about how gang members feel this intense loyalty that we don't necessarily see all the time in the church. And then chapter uh, six or five was servants. The greatest picture Jesus wanted to leave with his disciples was to serve one another. And then chapter six, we looked at last week, good shepherds, good leaders. Well, this week, if we thought last week and the week before was convicting, this week is really convicting because it's on being crucified. And he starts off the chapter with a pretty good illustration, I think, because have you ever watched Iron Man uh, triathlons? Have you ever done one? No. I've never done one. Yeah. All right, let's say if I said, hey, Taylor, uh, why don't you come over? Let's watch this, this, you know, doing this Iron Man triathlon. You probably wouldn't have a problem coming watching, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say I said, hey, Taylor, let's do this Ironman triathlon. Uh, it, it, it's it's like in eight months. Mm-hmm. You, you laugh because yeah. you go, well, mm. there's a difference between watching and doing. Yeah. And I think the American church specifically has been more of a watcher mm. than a doer. Yeah. As it relates to God's command, his order, what he's won. He brings that out. I thought it was a great illustration for us because most people in this country believe that the Christian life is about admiring Jesus' example instead of a call to follow his example. Yeah. And I I, I think um, people believe that we're just supposed to believe in the fact that he died instead of to be crucified with him you know and he brings out the verse at the very beginning which is a great verse i remember um a mentor of mine wrote a book called not i but christ mm. based on galatians two i've been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me the life i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me the key Part of that verse is, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And as he really does a good job of pointing out in this chapter, if you only listen to the voice of Jesus every day, if you only read the words that came out of his mouth when you read anything, then you'd have a very clear understanding of what it means to follow him, right? If we didn't listen to anybody else, if we just listened to him, read his words. But let's say you only listen to modern-day preachers. And I'm not just talking about a a, a preacher who may be really preaching the word. I'm talking about all of them as a whole in this country. Uh, Then you'd have a very different understanding of what it means to follow him. There are millions of men and women that have been taught that 
You can follow Christ and there's no cost on your life. You can follow Christ and your life will get better on earth. You can follow Christ. You can have a bigger bank account. You can follow Christ. You don't ever have to worry about sickness on earth again. You won't be sick. It's just a matter of your faith. You you can follow Christ and everything's going to be better in your life. Now, if you look simply at the life of the disciples and Paul and followers of Jesus, Stephen, that doesn't compute. Yeah. In fact, listen to what Jesus said in his word in Luke 14. There was a great crowd that was following him, and he turned and he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower doesn't first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king goes out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the others are yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I, I think that is very unambiguous. I yeah. mean, I mean, there's there's no gray area there. He talks very clearly about bearing your cross, which was an instrument of execution, and renouncing all you have. Now, does that sound like the message in most of our church services in America today? Nope. Why? Because it's, it's almost the opposite, you know? The message is... Yeah, it tells you, like you were saying, you can have, you know, the best the world has to offer if you follow uh, Christ. You can have the riches here in this life, and Jesus says, you know, you better be willing to suffer. Well, the call to follow him was a call to die. Yeah. I mean, it was clear. And, I mean, he told people from the very beginning, you got to count the cost. Listen, I know that you went through the police training academy. I went into the Marine Corps. In both those fields, when we went in there, we knew that there was going to be a cost involved. Long hours. We knew uh, we were going to get yelled at in the training. We knew we were going to have physical demands placed on us. Mm -hmm. We knew that before we went in. Most people, when they come to Christ, they think it's all about the grace, mercy, and blessings. And not about a total surrender of their life. Yeah. And yet, becoming a believer and follower is complete and total surrender of our desires and flesh to the higher purpose of God's glory. I don't believe that's clearly articulated in a lot of cases today. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus said very clearly in Mark 8, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever's going to save his life, he's going to lose it. Mm-hmm. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what is a profit of man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? So you hear this, 
And and it's so clear. I mean, it's in Luke 9 also. It's clear. So why don't we teach this? Why is this so silent in our churches here in America? <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm just, I'm really asking, why do you think as a young guy, you're in your 30s, and, and I know you've been in Bible teaching churches, but how often do you hear that message in your in your lifetime? Rarely. And I, I think it's because I would imagine, I don't know, I, you know, I haven't been in, in a, a pastor's position like that, but I would I would imagine it's people are afraid to alienate, you know, those who don't want to hear that, you know, that message. So how many times do you think Jesus pro- pro- preached that message? Probably all the time. A lot yeah. of times. He, listen, he said, Luke 6, blessed are you when people hate you. What? Yeah. And when they exclude you, when they revile you, when they spurn your name as evil on account of me, rejoice in that day. I don't know a lot of people. I I know two people off the top of my head right now. There's more that I've met, but two that we've talked about. Dawa Singe, who is in India, and John Monger, who lives in Austin, Texas, both have been persecuted very strongly for their faith. John Monger was beaten every day for 18 months. Mm. And they said, just deny Jesus and you can walk out. I mean, Jesus went on to say in Luke 6, Woe to you when people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Now listen, we live in such a celebrity culture. It, Mm -hmm. It should scare us all if we're teachers and nobody's talking bad about us <laughs> yeah that the culture's embracing us um i'm not talking about people who are hurting um suffering is rarely talked about in our churches today real suffering for being a believer not suffering because of the pandemic or suffering because of the economy i'm talking about suffering because you love jesus and so we're going to be hated and rejected when we come back We're going to unfold this a little more, okay? Yeah, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug at SWATradio.com. You can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. We'd like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia, listening at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned.
That is All My Hope by David Crowder. Um, welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are uh, going over Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. We're going into his chapter, Crucified. Um, today's Tuesday. We weren't here Monday, so this is the first day um, that we're going to be covering this chapter. And uh, so we're only going to have two days, which is unfortunate because there's a lot in the chapter um, but so yeah that's where we're at and where we're going and we're talking about Jesus's uh, words uh, and and how that differs from what we hear from the pulpit uh, well, a lot of times well we were you know when we went into the break we were talking about suffering becoming it, it's just it's just all through the New Testament that we're going to be hated we're going to be rejected mm-hmm. And if you really look around in the U.S., and I, I'm speaking specifically of our country here, that I I really believe that we do have a warped view of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that, if, that we believe that it's going to make our life better instead of we're going to suffer. Yeah. And in other countries like Bhutan or Iraq or Iran or the Middle East, China, um, those countries have a much more biblical view of what it means to follow Christ. In fact, listen to this. There's a believer in a house church in Iran who explained that people who want to join their church have to sign a written statement agreeing to lose their property, be thrown in jail, and be martyred for their faith, or they're not allowed Mm. to be part of that church. That's, uh, now, you know what that would be met with in the U.S.? Well, that's legalism. Huh. That's what that's what people would say. But in Iran, if you want to join a local church, it's not just, oh, we like this church and yeah. tell us your testimony. Well, I trusted Jesus at six years old and I've been following him ever since. No, you have to sign a document that says I am willing to lose my property, be thrown in jail and be martyred for my faith. Imagine if today every pastor in a con- in our country said, if you want to join our church, you've got to sign this document. How many people do you think would sign that document? I think those that are serious about their faith. But know, how yeah. many? I'm out. Let's let's <laughs> let's be realistic. Yeah. I don't think there would be a lot of people knocking down the doors of the church to sign to be part of that church. Or or people would sign thinking, oh, that's never going to happen. But, you know, like you're talking about in Iran. Oh, you, no, it's a reality. That, that, yeah, you sign that. That's pretty much what's going to happen to you. Well, you exactly. Know? But what they're saying to people is you need to understand yep. being a part of this body could cause you to lose your property or even your life. Yep. Are you willing to do that? They're just putting the cost out. Like Jesus said, count the cost. Many Christians are arrested in Iran and they're executed or they're, or they spend the rest of their life in prison. So when they fellowship together, do you think that looks different than First Baptist downtown mm-hmm. or maybe another church on the west side? Or Yeah, it looks a lot different when the people in the church believe that uh, it, it means to suffer together. That yeah. following Christ, it's a completely different biblical understanding of what it means to follow Christ. And so 
Yet Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population mm. in the world. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, there was another guy from Iraq who said that what we call growth um, in America, they call prerequisite. Hmm. He said, um, I mean, we act in America like surrender to Jesus is a lifelong process. And I, I, I admit it is. It's a continually growing, right? You never stop. Yeah. But we think about it in that term, and we like thinking about it in that term, those kind of terms. But they over there believe that um, it's they're going to give up certain things from the start. They recognize going into the call on their life to be a believer and follower of Christ that it's not just a lifelong process. But you start off saying, "I'm laying it all down." They 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 teach the way Jesus taught. They require the people to count the costs and they surrender everything up front otherwise they don't account them as true followers mm. can you imagine if we started doing that what would happen to the churches in this country i think they would get thin really quick yeah but the people that would be there would be people that are bought in mm-hmm. um chan talked about being in china and going to an underground church where he asked the people there about persecution Every person stood up and told their story and what they had endured that would shock many of us. People were beaten. They were shot at, Mm. you know, actually chased and shot at. But they were laughing about it together as a body like it was a party. Mm. Like it it would be insane to people in our country to sit there and think of what they were sharing and them laughing but it didn't phase them because they expected it from the start. It's kind of like in the Marine Corps. Yeah. You know, I mean, we sometimes we we had a morbid sense of life and death. Like I lost eight friends in the Marine Corps who died. Uh, they lost they lost their life for the country. And yet we talk about it, me and my Marine Corps buddies, and we joke around about it. Because we got in knowing that was a real uh, possibility for all of us. And and it's not that we want to make light of death, but we knew it was a possibility. These guys made the ultimate sacrifice for their country. Yeah. And when we talk about the church, we come into following Christ as if we just think we're joining the local church down on the corner and we're just going to live our life on the corner and go here and go every Sunday for an hour. We're going to give our money and we're never going to be persecuted. We're never going to be hated. We're never going to be rejected because that's what we're taught. Yeah. And that's completely different to the gospel message that Jesus gave. You know, and here's what's funny is when he, Chan heard these Chinese Christians praying, they were screaming out to God, listen to this, that God would take them to the most dangerous places. They would say, I want to suffer for you. I don't want a safe place. I don't. I want to be counted worthy to die for you. Almost like the apostles mm. when they said they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer. Now, if you have a group of people like that, what's going to stop those people? I mean, they're unstoppable. Why? Because they don't care about this world. They yeah. don't care about things. But if you have a group of people that are holding on to this world so tight that when God says, hey, I want you to let go of this money over here to support this mission effort, 
oh god but i i really man i want that new car mm-hmm. you know i really i wanted that i wanted to do that new addition to the house or you're holding on to this life there's nothing wrong with things but when you lay down everything and you realize that when he calls you it's his anyway mm-hmm. it's always his but you realize that it's his as his follower you're willing to get rid of that stuff when he asks you to. I mean, I just think that when he asked these people about the house church movement in China, they had five core values, and they sound pretty similar to the SWAT except for the last one. Um, The first one is a deep commitment to prayer. All right, our second core value is staying close to the commander. The second one is a commitment to the word of God. You know, not to a speaker Mm. or a preacher, but to God's word being read and taught. The third was being committed to the sharing of the gospel. Those are the first three core values of SWAT. God's word, our starting point, prayer, and engaging witnesses for impact, sharing the gospel. But the fourth one was a regular expectation of miracles. Mm. That God would move supernaturally because of their prayer life and their close connection to them, they expected God to do great things. If you're listening today, how many of you literally believe God can still and will do miracles in your life? I've seen it. I've seen him plop down money in the middle of my front door Mm. in a way that nobody on this earth could explain why or how somebody would do that. I've just seen him do it when it was needed. I've seen him take a girl that needed a heart transplant for three and a half years that had a two-week life expectancy that every doctor that saw her said she was a walking miracle how because our god still does miracles but the that was the fourth one but the fifth i don't think anybody would have on their core value list to embrace suffering for the glory of christ i mean think about that when you add that, whoa, just think about it. they They built their church over there on embracing suffering, not just getting wanting to suffer, but they want the glory of Christ to be seen at all cost. And so they're willing to go whatever, wherever God wants them to do, whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it. What about us? Hey, we got this opportunity. I oh, can't get off of work. I just can't do it. Got this opportunity. I don't have the money to do it. Well, who said anything about your money? Yeah. He's got all the money in the world. Yeah, but that's not being realistic. Since when is the supernatural realistic? It's never realistic. And so th- the problem with what we see here is that, uh, is, is that we plan so much that we don't allow the spirit to move. Like the New Testament church, the church in China, they, they don't know what to do. The government doesn't know new. Why? How do we stop them? We kill them. They're happy. We torture them. They rejoice. We can't stop these people. They just get stronger in persecution. And it's true. The Chinese church is growing unbelievable. And it's like Jesus said, even the gates of Hades are not going to stop them. So, I mean, it's not of this world. And when we come back, I want to just kind of continue this it's, it's really convicting for me. I don't know about you, but it's convicting for me. Yeah, it is. Uh, stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. You are listening to Spot Radio. Stay tuned.
This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight. Touchdown in the cold black top. Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos All those people going somewhere Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms with the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah 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 Step out on a busy street See a girl in our eyes meet does her best to smile at me To hide what's underneath There's a man just to right Black suit and a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell his wife That is Brandon Heath with Give Me Your Eyes. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. We have been talking about Letters to the Church by Francis Chan and his book Crucified. Um, so we've been uh, talking about suffering. If you are just joining us and how that should be viewed as a prerequisite uh, mm-hmm. for uh, deciding to follow Christ and how we here in the West and in America kind of view it as something that uh, would be bad, you know, something we don't want to talk about at all. So if you um, would like to join us in this discussion, please call us at one eight four four seven 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 nine two eight. excuse me. That's one eight four four triple seven swat or you can email us at ask at swatradio.com. That's ask at swatradio.com. And, you know, Doug, when you were talking, um, kind of talking about the church in China and who can stop, you know, that type of uh, fervent faith, uh, it reminded me of, you know, the early church like you were talking about. And uh, it just kind of is such a sharp contrast to what we see here in uh, in America and you know, especially with the pandemic and stuff, you know, there's not a lot of churches that are defying orders. And in, in here in Florida, you know, uh, there hasn't been an order that churches aren't 
supposed to meet, and yet a lot of churches still don't. And it's just kind of like, man, I, you know, I want a church that's like, hey, we're going to suffer, but we're going to be following Christ. And so, you know, those well, are, even 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 here's the deal. What about you know? What about the fact that our God can can protect us yeah. and can glorify Himself in the fact that I, I remember a story one time where all God's people didn't suffer the same consequences as the rest of the culture in Egypt yeah, because they were God's people and they looked to God and trusted in God. And I think about John MacArthur's church out in California. He said, I've heard him say it publicly, that nobody in his church is in the hospital and nobody's been sick. 7,000 people yeah, in the middle of the pandemic been going on so and when i saw them there wasn't a lot of people wearing masks there now there are a lot of people say that's reckless and foolish well there's a lot of people that say it's reckless and foolish to do a lot of things um you know and listen we're not saying that we are to love suffering for the sake of loving suffering nobody's saying that jesus said if i i mean not jesus paul said God said through Paul, if I give away all I have and give up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. That's from 1 Corinthians 13. Our suffering has to be motivated by our love for God. And I will tell you that what I've seen in uh, my wife and my life, that we, we, today, by the way, is my daughter Kate's. 17th birthday oh nice kate we adopted um 16 years ago and when we adopted kate she was in an orphanage in china Mm. a lot of people adopt children because they want children and they can't have children we already had three biological children we had a perfect number family five three kids living the american dream and um, God put it on my wife's heart mm-hmm. and my heart to adopt. And w- we adopted because we loved God and we cared for kids that had been abandoned. Mm. And when we adopted those kids and, and our daughter took in a girl who was fostering, she was fostering up in Nashville, who now she's adopted, mm. not because... She, she wanted to love somebody who was hurting. And when you bring in kids like this that have been abandoned and like Abby and Becca that have special needs and Rachel that had a heart transplant that was mistreated over in China, they, it brings a lot of havoc into your life. I'm just going to tell you mm. because, you know, as, as you deal with this, you deal with the reality of pain and hurt and and you struggle with this but you do it because of your love for God and your love for people and as you do that uh Jesus loved the marginalized he loved the rejected he you know and he calls us to put him on display and at the end of Jesus life he was nailed on a cross and you know what by the end of our life if we're following him we're going to have embraced our cross if we're following him. Yeah. 
And what that means is suffering. And it looks different for every life. Every life is not going to match up. I mean, our, you know, the things that we die to, to love these kids that God brought into our family and changed our life forever are going to be different than what your family may deal with or somebody else's family may deal with. But, but God calls us all to embrace the death of ourself and the life of Christ in us. That's what Galatians 2.20 is all about, and it's by faith. And so as Chan so really well brings it out, that to be crucified means that you die to yourself and you embrace the death of yourself and the life of Jesus in you. And I just don't know that we really, I don't know that we get that. We have to have encouragement. People have to help us understand that and see that. And you and I were talking during the break about it's just fleeting around here. It's hard to find. Mm. And But when, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're at a place that is preaching that your life's going to get better, and does not talk about suffering associated with Christianity, does not talk about the cost of following Christ, does not talk about denying yourself, you might need to look at someplace else. Yeah. Someplace that's teaching what Christ taught, not what you want to hear. We suffer a lot in this country from the people preaching to tickle ears. Mm. And I think that's why we're so impotent as a church yeah. around this country. And so God's called us to preach the truth, and you're going to be rejected. If you embrace this, if you're listening, you embrace this ideology that Jesus talked about and this counting the cost, and you say, I'm all on board, you better stand by because <laughs> you're going to face rejection, and you may face persecution, and you may face suffering, not just from people that reject Christ, but even what Christ calls you to do things that you don't want to do. Uh, there, I th- um, this is not our home, and you were bought with a price. Mm. And I think it's time that we as the church start embracing that. And and Chan brings it out beautifully. Uh, First Peter 4 says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials when they come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and the spirit of God rest upon you. I mean, that right there says it all. I mean, Peter was writing to people that were being persecuted. So as we continue further into this year and the chaos that has been thrown upon our country, who are you standing with? Mm. Are you standing with the police? Are you standing with the protesters? Are you standing with Jesus? Yeah. Because he's got to be your ultimate loyalty above everything and what what jesus wants he wants us to speak the truth in love without fear and and you know what it doesn't matter people are going to hate you you stand up for life you stand up against abortion Mm -hmm. 
You're going to be rejected. I'm going to tell you outright, you will be rejected by people. They will rationalize. People have been rationalizing sin for thousands of years. They will rationalize. But when people tell you a woman has a right to terminate a baby, but you don't have a right to terminate a turtle's baby because a beach is more important than a baby, I'm sorry. That's, 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 that's not biblical values. It's not biblical values. And as a follower of Christ, the highest values that you should ascribe to are God's values. Yeah. And so I think it's time for us to stand up mm-hmm. after we kneel mm-hmm. yeah. and we ask him for strength and we cry out like those Chinese believers, Lord, count me worthy to suffer. Let me live for you. Let me count the cost. I'm yours no matter what it takes. I remember there's a great line. Let me see. I think we got a couple of minutes. If I can find this, I want to read it because it's so applicable to what we say. Uh, I'm part of the fellowship. This was a commitment of a martyr. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I won't look back, let up. Slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with the low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, chain visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and warped goals. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, and prayed up and paid up for the cause of Christ. A young man wrote these words in Africa right before he died. So That doesn't get your juices pumping, man. I don't know what will. Uh, stick with us. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. We'll be talking more SWAT about Christmas. in the morning. Yes. yes. 6.30 at Woody. See yep. you there. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual